Welcome to the Marvelous Post Blip Podcast, a podcast on all things Marvel on the Fangirl Zone. I am Mischievous Dave. I am Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and today we're talking about episode four of Loki titled The Nexus Event, written by Eric Martin and directed by Kate Heron. He's my favorite Martin. Yeah. <laughs> so what you guys think? How about it, Sean? I really liked it. I had to pause at the very end because I'm like, wait, who are all those people? And uh, there was a lot of lot of things that I'm like, hmm, what does that mean? Could this mean this? And could that mean that? And yeah, it's like all of a sudden I'm like, all right, I'm going to go falling down a rabbit hole. But I will tell everybody <laughs> kudos on the memes that came out of this episode because holy crap, you guys were amazing. Marino. Well, yeah, I enjoyed it too. I know a lot of people were going all icky on <laughs> Sylvie <laughs> and Loki's uh, relationship that looked like it was going in one direction, but I don't think it is. I think they're bonding as, shall we say, brother and sister instead of <laughs> romantic. But I wouldn't care if they had a romantic relationship. And they're from different, let's put it this way, it would be the ultimate act of narcissism. And oh, absolutely. <laughs> And oh, I love me. I love you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I thought it was curious that Renslayer actually mentioned that she forgot things a couple yeah. of times in the episode. That made me really scratch my head because I was kind of thinking she was behind the whole thing, especially after the reveal of the robots or androids or whatever you want to call them <laughs> fembots <laughs> yeah but yeah really great episode kept yeah, you on yeah. the edge of your seat that's for sure oh yeah the mobius got pruned i that was shocking i was shocked like holy you know what i was like what the yeah and that shocked me and immediately being a, a long time tv you're like that didn't happen it didn't happen didn't happen <laughs> not gonna happen but right. it's still it's shocking yeah but we also have a little bit of hope because of what happened to loki maybe right. pruning exactly. right is after the, that. the end of your existence maybe you're just sent to another timeline made me think oh yeah for sure it made me think that every time they bump somebody off like that innocent guy in the first well i don't know if he's innocent yeah. the first very first episode when <laughs> right. he gets pruned they just sent him someplace else but they use that to make people cooperate right well, i don't and think it, most of them know either no <laughs> and when they brought in little little Sylvie, they had someone struggling too. It didn't get pruned, maybe because she was a kid and didn't want them to see that. But you always see somebody like, no, no. You're right. <laughs> well, if we were rating this episode, I would have given it 4.5 pissed off sifts. <laughs> nice. That was one of my favorite parts of the episode when she walked in. I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into the episode, we do have some feedback from Jazz. And this is going to be a double Jazz feedback episode. Holy smoke. As we have some for episode three. So let's take a listen. Hello, this is Jazz giving my review of Loki episode three. I recently got into the series and was pleasantly surprised that all the characters seem to be fleshed out. They seem true to form in terms of seeing them in the movies. Tom has a good interplay in chemistry with the Lady Loki, who, if memory serves, about two years ago, the last I saw her in print, she had brunette hair and was in a green outfit with the horns and did not have blonde hair. So I agree with your assumption that it is probably the Enchantress. One thought is that she doesn't know that she's the Enchantress yet. She just thinks that she's Lady Loki and has some holes in her memory, perhaps. I thought it was neat that they had a hard relationship and they finally decided they liked each other or at least well enough to try to get off the planet together. And so they were fighting the bad guys or at least everybody else trying to get to the ship and then it falls apart. So they'll have to come up with another plan or the timekeepers may come up and find them and that's how they get out. It was an interesting tidbit that she said, oh yeah, they're variants. They're not made there. And it's like, well, they don't know that. So they think they're doing all the great things of the timekeepers. And in reality, they're variants themselves. So maybe your brain is wiped and you don't remember how long you've been there. She had said that she had to go hundreds of years into the woman's past in order to get a memory that she would like. That's a very long time ago. I would hate to be an immortal and then stuck in like a DMB job. That would just be wrong. Yuck. Lots of stress. I doubt they give them yoga either. So, so far I'm enjoying it. It's only about like half an hour long. 
but I'm still getting a lot out of it. Hopefully I'll catch it when it drops on Wednesday. Don't know exactly when you do the recordings, but hopefully I'll get it to you shortly after the Wednesday broadcast. Great to hear everybody's inputs, and I will talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Well, thank you, Jazz. Good to hear from you again. So what do you think? (laughs) Well, I actually... Because I don't know, with me missing last week, what you guys talked about, because I hadn't had a chance to listen yet. But I kind of have a theory, especially after this week on Sylvie, that kind of goes with what Jazz said, that she's not Lady Loki. I'm thinking personally, because I don't remember her saying Freya's name, that Lady Loki adopted the child, and she is Sylvie, and that when we see her playing, that's how she ended up being. That was the Nexus event, because she got plucked out of somewhere she shouldn't have been. Why would that be a Nexus event? Because she was not supposed to be pulled into Lady Loki's life at that point or something, like as Lady Loki's child. Okay. So, but then again, after watching this one, the TVA are kind of jerks. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's an interesting so theory. It, maybe you guys can clarify something for me, as Jazz mentioned, and we saw in the episode. So Sylvie had to uh, go into took hundreds of years of memories. Is she talking about C twenty? Right. That looked like a pretty contemporary tiki bar. Right. But we really don't. How do could we that, know how, what time frame uh, we're in? Aren't we in twenty? 20- 55 or something like that in the TVA? No, yeah, no, I think we're further still, than that. That yeah. just happens to be yeah. where she was hiding out at one point. Right. Yeah, you're right. And Lamentus is 2077. Well, that's And they're kind of outside of the timeline, I thought. So, so she's drawing kind of, on a memory from C20. When, what was what was the timeline for C20's memory? It couldn't have been hundreds of years ago. It sure didn't look like it. Well, they said time works differently at the TVA, so they could basically be in servitude to them indefinitely. So they don't know how long they've been there. They've just been there. It's like, let's get past all the TVA crap. And it's like, good Lord, this is like hundreds of years of going back. Yeah, that's Sylvie, though, not TVA authority. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, Sylvie's like, oh, my gosh, I got to keep going through all this. She's been, like, stuck here for hundreds of years talking about C20. Right, And then she finally gets something from before TVA. That's that's what I I think. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's very possible that, yeah, the TVA is operating on a timeline that actually is much faster than normal time and that's why sylvie says she had to go back a hundred years not a hundred years of normal time but a hundred years of tva time to get to i don't see why she had to mention that yeah but yeah (laughs) whatever (laughs) yeah i kind of agree with jazz (laughs) being immortal and stuck in a dmv job would be horrible (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah i wonder if what was it casey who didn't know what a fish was yeah could he be a recent variant that's been converted? I kind of think that that's probably what happened with him is because he hasn't gotten the knowledge, you know, they blocked all his old knowledge. And so he's basically having to learn things all over again and hadn't come across anybody that said anything about a fish. So <laughs> how could you not know what a fish is? Yeah. <laughs> I still love that he had to personalize his threat. What's your name? Yeah. (laughs) Well, once again, Jazz, we really appreciate your feedback, and we'll hear your thoughts on episode four here in a little bit. All right, let's jump into the recap of this amazing episode. Frayed nerves and paranoia infiltrates the TVA as Mobius and Hunter B-15 search for Loki and Sylvie. (laughs) Well, that covers the first two minutes, (laughs) maybe five minutes of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Because we surprisingly open the episode with the child is playing with her toys on Asgard. Now, while the trademark golden architecture and ornate decor was seen in the premiere's flashback to Thor The Dark World, Episode 4 opens with an establishing shot of the Royal Palace and Rainbow Bridge, forecutting to young Sylvie playing outside a lavish bedroom. Now, one of the miniatures Sylvie plays with is Valkyrie, which is perhaps more likely to represent the Asgardian battle force, rather than Tessa Thompson's character specifically. Maybe their fate was different in Sylvie's timeline, and the Valkyries remained revered protectors of Asgard rather than getting slaughtered by Hela. Also among Sylvie's action figure collection is a little giant wolf sitting beside the Viking ship. Now, this most likely represents Fenris, the beast Hulk tussles with on the Rainbow Bridge. 
Now, since Fenris was a loyal servant of Hela, the, the dragon Sylvie pits against her Valkyrie doll might actually represent Thor's evil sister. And this entire scenario could be playing out the flashback battle from Thor Ragnarok. Oh, my God. I only noticed the Viking ship. I didn't pay attention to the other the two little figures. Yeah. <laughs> and Fenris. Here's a l- weird fact because Norse mythology is jacked up. Right. Is actually, an, uh, I believe, it's one of Loki's offspring. Would not surprise if me. I remembered a bit. that correctly. <laughs> so that'll really mess up your head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a not here comes a judge, Renslayer, burst in and arrest her for her crimes against the sacred timeline. Kid has put through all the bureaucracy we saw from the series premiere. But in her trial, she escapes by swiping the temp pad of Renslayer and disappearing into a time door. They need to lock those things down. I would think so. Password protect them or something? (laughs) Yeah. Use that fingerprint. Right. As well as revealing Sylvie as an avid collector of Thor merchandise, the episode flashback also confirms that Ravona Renslayer was once part of the Minuteman, just like B-15 and C-20, which also kind of had me scratching my head. Yeah, I wonder if how she moves up. Right, exactly, because the judge was a guy. Yeah. Yeah. So while escorting the youngster through TVA headquarters, however, the number on Renslayer's garb is revealed as A23. This is almost certainly a nod to the character's comic book origins, with Ravona making her very first appearance in Avengers number 23, or if you prefer, A23. For sure. The yep. numbers have abound this week. Yes. I wanted to know, because I thought it was weird, the kid grabbed the time pad, temp pad, whatever. And was able to figure it out in like seconds. Right, yeah. She off just she opened went. it and boom. <laughs> See, this I feel like kind of gives a little bit more to what I was thinking that she's not Loki. She was basically like plucked out of time and pulled in to be adopted by Loki. And that maybe Lady Loki knew everything. And so she was like telling her, okay, if this happens, this, this. But it doesn't make sense how, though. Right. I'm sure they're going to bring everything up nice and neat in little bow. (laughs) And I'll be totally fine and not have any questions. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You think they'll leave us at a a cliffhanger? (laughs) Oh, my God. What if they leave us with a cliffhanger? No. That would mean a season two, I would believe. Or just a continuation in the Doctor Strange movie. That's true, too. <laughs> mm. Well, this all seems to be a flashback for Ravona as she enters a chamber flooded with a mysterious, colorful fog. Kind of like my party room downstairs. So that the smoke eventually clears, showing three shadowy figures on thrones. That's not in my playroom. No. The timekeepers. <laughs> just a statue of me. We don't see their meeting, but after the credits, Ravona rendezvous with Mobius. They discuss the variant infiltrating the TVA last episode, as well as the disappearance of her and Loki. Mobius pleased to talk to Hunter C-20, a hunter that was kidnapped and enchanted to giving away the location of the timekeepers. But Ravona bluntly reveals that she's dead, <laughs> her mind irreversibly scrambled. That's kind of harsh. But she has two words for the co-worker about the missing variants. Find them. That was messed up. Yeah, it's like, oh, don't be gentle. Just like, she's dead. It's like, what? Right. What? Excuse me? What happened? You know what I do appreciate is people in this episode know when they're being lied to. Right. Even if they don't give it away. Ah, you're lying to me. Yep. <laughs> well, Mobius has been doing, well, his job, who knows what it exactly is, it seems like, for a while. So I think he's able to pick some stuff up. And then after watching this and reading a bunch of different, like, spoiler alerts on the internet, it's like, huh, it really starts making you question. It's like, okay, wait, was he pulled from here? Was he, like, an investigator? It's a lot of things that if you don't dissect, like, every single scene, you're not going to catch, which obviously I don't because I miss things all the time, like (laughs) Fenrir. Let's go to Lamentus 1. Let's see, we know where they are but the tva doesn't know so we're waiting out our time on the rapidly disintegrating mood of lamentus one that a lot of people have been comparing to various scenes in star wars because you have the death star so to speak like looming over them right sylvie does tell loki about her waiting memories of asgard and adding the universe wants to break free so it manifests chaos that had me scratching my head like huh that's interesting right 
She reveals that she was a kid in the opening scene and having escaped the TVA by removing her from the timeline and lived her life setting off Nexus events everywhere she went. And she's been hiding out at the end of a thousand worlds, realizing the death that is caused everywhere she goes has basically been her whole life. And that was so depressing. It's like, no yeah, wonder she was so go- upset. Right. Tough way to grow up. That's for sure. I mean, she wouldn't have been able to live out anywhere, not normal. No, anywhere that wasn't an apocalypse. As soon as she showed up, it showed up as a Nexus event in the TVA. So they came after her again. So, yeah, talk about the fugitive always running (laughs) until she finally figured out. (laughs) Yeah, I would say it really makes me wonder when she was able to figure that out. That had to be a hard lesson for a kid. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she probably didn't figure it out until she was, I'm thinking, maybe early, late teens. That's just yeah. yeah. You have so to get she... through your adult narcissistic adolescence first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's me. Rats. <laughs> Sylvie does ask if all Lokis are destined to lose. Now, I didn't feel like this was her admitting she was Loki yet. I feel like this was just her asking like great i'm with you again this is gonna suck right because i'm with you are we gonna lose (laughs) exactly (laughs) now loki of course disagrees and says even if they die they end up surviving and i'm like wait what i thought that was weird but okay i guess this worked and then, of course, we see debris falling and they look into each other's eyes. Now, this is the part where a lot of people are like, oh, look at they totally love each other. Right. No, <laughs> I don't believe this. I believe that they both finally realized that they have been dealt kind of crappy hands. Right. And that they did a lot of crappy stuff. Now, Sylvie did it to survive. Loki did it because he thought it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that they finally understand that, okay, there was more that should have happened for us than what did. And when they hold each other's hand, it's like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think it was the whole like, oh, look at they love each other. Moosh, now kiss. No. Like I said, I'm just thinking it's like, oh, they finally found somebody who understands what it's like to seem like you're fine and be lonely. Right. The romantic I am, I prefer. They are mushy and, <laughs> and romantically like, okay, kiss. <laughs> I don't think they are destined to be alone. I think, well, of course, that's the Nexus event that happened right there. They held hands. Right. And, and something grew between them. And then ding, 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 all the alarms came off because, I don't know, they're not destined to be alone. So that's the event that changed everything. And they were found. At least that's the way yeah, I read but it. they think they were destined to be alone. Right. Yeah, they did. Until yeah. then. Right. Until that moment. <laughs> and then they realize, hey, we may not have to be alone further yeah. ever. Which, yeah, yeah, that would be a, a huge nexus event on the timeline. <laughs> right. Because Mobius and B-15 are feverishly trying to track down their missing variant Lokis, monitoring for any fluctuations on the timeline. Now, as the screen's old-school readout rolls by, it seems the TVA are keeping tabs on the planet Morag. In the MCU, this locale is best known as the place Star-Lord danced towards an Infinity Stone in Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, the comic books featured Morag 4 in the same Annihilation storyline as Lamentus, perhaps explaining why it pops up here. So Mobius and Hunter B-15 see a huge branch emerge from the sacred timeline. One of your spears, Dave. (laughs) It alerts (laughs) clearly headed in the right direction. (laughs) It alerts them to their location, and they're able to jump and save them just as things reach their worst. I have a quick question. Sure. B-15, when she kept saying, we have to find them, we have to find them. Now, I was thinking at first it was because of the previous, like, I will end you kind of attitude. But it seemed different here, which later we obviously see why. But do you think, like, everything started to fall into place for her? Oh, yeah. She felt the same way as C-20 because, yeah, Sylvie got in her mind there for a little bit. And that brought out a memory that she's just not real sure about. So she wants to get them back so she can find out. 
Okay. I wanted to make sure it wasn't just me thinking like, all right, her attitude is changing because it wasn't the same kind of fierce determination. Right. Absolutely. You see a big change in B-15. Sylvia is taken away. Loki is back together with Mobius. The two of them argue back and forth about betraying each other, hurling quips at each other. And that was awesome. <laughs> I know. It almost seemed a shame to him. Like, come on, guys. Really? Catch it up. <laughs> Mobius has the final word, calling the Asgardian an asshole and a bad friend, before trying to send him through an ominous red time door. Loki tells him the TVA is lying to him before he's thrown through, winding up in a familiar setting. Oh, my. I would be freaked out about that random door, too. I'll right, tell you. yeah. Yeah, especially because it's tinted red. Uh-oh. Yeah, time prison. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Mobius was so worked up, too, I think that leads to the whole idea that there have been other Lokis that he's worked with, and he felt like this one was different. Yeah. But he's been betrayed, like, by all of them or something. Bad Because why is he calling him a bad friend? It's not like they yeah. were hanging out. You're right. <laughs> No, they have a pretty good rapport, so right, yeah, I think they, they like each other. That's why yeah. I'm starting to wonder, yeah, if it was just a whole bunch of Lokis beforehand, like Tour de France Loki was a good one that he used or right. something. Yeah, yeah, we, we didn't even see the three we saw at the end of the episode, so. <laughs> I know, interesting. Infinite Lokis, that's a scary thought. <laughs> maybe the last one, maybe the last one he worked with kept biting him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, when Loki goes through the door, there's a familiar face to greet Loki as well. The long, absent Lady Sif. She's going to be in the Thor movie, at least, right? I believe so. so. Yep. Yeah. She immediately beats him up with some detached hair in her hand. That was pretty childish. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What if I cut her hair? She tells him he will always be alone, and Loki realizes he's trapped in a prison of his bad memories, repeating the same scene over and over again like Groundhog's Day. Did you know this is an actual Norse mythos? I didn't. Yes, no. it's. I can't say what it is because <laughs> I will. Long Scandinavian <laughs> word. I don't know, but yes, apparently in Norse mythology, Lady Sif is actually married to Thor, and she likes to get a little freaky when Thor's often, you know, doing manly stuff. Right. And so she hangs out with her brother-in-law quite often, and that's how he got close enough to cut her hair because she was knocked out after uh, some brown chicken, brown cow time. <laughs> brown chicken, brown cow. And he cut off her long golden hair, which apparently gold at one point was actually called hair of Sif, Norwegian, like war. And Thor came back and she had to come clean with how he got so close to her. And so then Thor beat the crap out of Loki. And then Loki had to go to the dwarves to have them create like magical hair to weave her hair back onto her head because she was famous for her long golden lock. So no matter what tactic he tries, he always ends up the same for him. On the floor. Yeah, with the knee to the groin. On the floor and a little sore. Wow. (laughs) A Homer Simpson moment. Football to the groin. (laughs) (laughs) Mobius asks Ravona to interview Sylvia, which she denies, claiming she's too dangerous. Clear Loki's words are living rent-free in his head, and he bristles at constantly being told to work your Loki. Yeah, good. I finally see that. I wanted to see that come out in him. Right, and it did. Yeah, he's he's no fool. Certainly not. I mean, you can go toe-to-toe with Loki, so. I mean, how many times has he said, he almost had me? Yeah. <laughs> Back in the time, so Loki is already at the end of his robe, begging for mercy from Sif for cutting his hair. He admits he craves attention because he's a narcissist who fears isolation. <laughs> Sif helps him up and surprisingly walks away, finally avoiding physical confrontation. Does that mean that this torture chamber has AI? I thought that was weird because if it's a memory, how is it changing? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, this was a definitely an interesting twist to this yeah. time prison. And, I mean, are we going to, what happens now? I mean, of course, we get Mobius coming in, but it would have been nice to see as it rewound what would he have to say the same thing to not get hit again? <laughs> yeah. And do well, maybe that they just start with somebody new. Right. Maybe or does it yeah, change to another bad memory? Yeah. Maybe he has to come to terms with like his absolute 
craptastic behavior before anything changes. And then, yeah, it probably changes to a different crappy memory. Right. So what happens next, Sean? Well, it's in that moment when he's finally realized he's been a jerk that Mobius pulls him out and wants to talk to him about a little bit more. But before they go out, that's when he's like, do you really think that you're a horrible person? It's like, oh, okay, wait, are you going to talk to him in here or out there? I mean, what's going on? But I feel like at this point, like, Loki hasn't truly learned everything. So that's why he's pulling him out. It's like, all right, let's talk for a few. And Loki, of course, doesn't like this because he bristles as being called a partner with Sylvie and says she's difficult and irritating, which I feel like he's just talking about himself at this point. Right. He remains quiet through most of the interrogation, though. And I feel like at this point, I don't know if Mobius knows what's up or if he's just trying to see how far he can push this Loki, which started to kind of worry me. Right. He's apparently got a pretty good feel for Loki and what he can do to push his buttons. Right. He does say at one point, Loki does, I'm sorry, that he'll be exterminated immediately upon revealing what I know anyway. And it's like, well, then back to the time. So it's like, whoa, 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 hold on. (laughs) Apparently, Lady Sif kneeing him in the groin is a little too much. (laughs) There's like no rest in between. Right. But... He starts to spin a yarn, claiming that Sylvie found him a long time ago on Asgard, and from there they hatched a plan together to infiltrate the TVA. Now, I feel like at this point, Mobius has to know it's a lie because they would have noticed a branch with Sylvie coming up anytime before Ragnarok. Right. But Mobius has his own line response and says that Sylvie died while attempting to escape from her own time cell. And you can just see the look on Loki's face like he doesn't know what to do. And I think this might be one of the few times that we're seeing an emotion other than anger pop up on his face. But he feigns relief and it's like Mobius is able to see right through that. He's like, oh my gosh, you two are so busy swooning over each other and forming some twisted romantic relationship that you can't seem to break through into reality. And Loki's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I loved his face because he looked absolutely appalled that Mobius could even think that. Uh But I think that's when the whole fandom was like, hmm, is that it? Everyone except me, I think. Yeah. (laughs) So Loki goes back to what he said before, revealing that Sylvie told him a whole bunch of stuff about the TVA being variants and having their minds erased. And Mobius like, lie after lie after lie. Back to the cell you go. And the trickster god has one more final word for him, telling him that the biggest lies are the ones that you tell yourself. And this had me thinking and going down a rabbit hole online, of course. And (laughs) it's like, again, everybody online who's able to dissect scenes and zoom in, obviously you are way better than me, but you've come up with some amazing Easter eggs, is all I'm going to (laughs) say. Well, I I like how they know to hurt each other, too. Right. You have to be that good of friends or have a close relationship, and then you disappointed to stick out a barb like that right yeah in the hallway b15 seems to be having some internal struggle she regains her composure and charges into sylvie's holding cell surprisingly she opens a time door beckoning her through meanwhile theremin music plays in the background as ravona has mobius sign off on officially closing loki's case he asks her again about not being able to interrogate sylvie but she tries to alleviate his worries by saying that the timekeepers want him present at her pruning. Talk about deflection. Yeah, it was kind of sick, too. Yeah. Doesn't seem satisfactory for Mobius, though, as he admits to her something seems a little off. And she comes clean, for her, admitting that Sylvia yeah. made C-20 lose her mind and she didn't want to risk the same thing happening to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Using friendship as a dagger. She insists they're friends against time, allies to the end, saying she'll always be in his corner. As Mobius distracts her with placing yet another relic in her office, which again, she forgets where one of them came from, he switches out her Tim pad with his. Once again, <laughs> block those phones. Yes. <laughs> B-15 takes Sylvie back to Rock's cart, where she enchanted her back in episode two. I'm like, wow, this is the place you pick? Pouring rain? Like it has been up here, where I am for the last three days. It made me think, when you went back there, you said earlier, how did... Uh, 
little Sylvie figure out how to use the ten pad? Right. I don't think she did. I think she just pressed it the same way Loki did. Loki ended up in the worst place back right. in Lamentis. True. And who knows where little Sylvie went? Right. You know, but she spent all her time running from yep. there, wherever it was. Yeah. It might have been the last place Renslayer visited. Yeah. yeah I know. So uh, anyway, she asked her about exposing her mind to memories from her past life. Sylvie tells her she's a former variant. And that they're actually the same. And, and though we don't see B-15's memory, it's clear that the rediscovery has a profound effect on her. Did you guys want to see it? I thought she was going to say something like mommy. Right. Yeah. Like that. She begins to cry. Tears pour down. Nasty Asgard. What now? Right. Yeah. In private, Mobius goes through C-20's file on Ravona's pad. He sees a scene of her debrief where she discusses the memory she experienced from Silpy. She tells everyone there's a variant before Ravona leans into the frame to stop the recording. I know who does that. Right. <laughs> Here's my face. Realizing the truth, Mobius steps back into the time cell asking Loki if he really deserves to be alone. Friends again. I was like, yay. He admits he was right about the TV and the Tucson is back together to save Sylvie. I want to know, and somebody out there has to know, there were numbers really predominant behind Mobius in the library. And I want to know what they mean, because I don't think we have any information currently. Right. Yeah, I hadn't seen anything on it, but... I haven't seen anything in it unless it's a clue to future episodes. Right. Oh. I was like, okay, wait, there's letters and numbers. Should I unscramble this? What could it be? <laughs> thought it was really interesting. It makes me wonder. We'll learn and... what it is, and I'll want that t-shirt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the duo gets busted because as they come out of the time cell, Ravona is there because she discovered her missing pad. And even with her and the Minutemen staring them down, Mobius answers a question she asked them before. If you can go anywhere in time, where would you go? I thought that was a weird question originally. Right. And so when he does answer, he's like, oh, I have an answer for you. I want to go wherever I'm really from, wherever I had a life before the TVA came along. And hey, I probably had a jet ski. And the guy prunes him on Ravona's order. But I'm like, what the hell? You're just like, oh, no big deal. I'm going to just kill this guy who I've been working with. Right. Because as far as anybody knows, once you're pruned, you're dead and gone. It looks painful. It looks painful. I'm (laughs) the guy from the first episode. And I don't know if uh, movies was just shocked or he really was in pain. I don't know. It's so weird. And does everybody end up in the same place then? Yeah, we don't know. I have no idea yet. Let's hope so. That'd be nice. Yeah, Loki and, had a pretty pained reaction on his face. Right. I think it was more shock than just pain. Like, oh my gosh, she really just did that. Right. And I think the question is Ravona's way of finding out if any of their old memories are coming through. Because if they mention, oh yeah, I'd like to go back to Earth in the 90s. Well, that's a signal that maybe Mobius's memories are coming through, that he actually did have a jet ski in the 90s. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably one way of her using to make sure nobody's falling out of line. I wonder how she got around her time loop awareness. Right. Maybe that has something to do with the promotion or whoever is pulling the strings. Exactly. <laughs> that's interesting. I didn't think about that. I mean, so it, it does kind of make sense. The higher up you go, you have to have some idea, especially if you're going in front of the timekeepers. Yeah. Well, when they didn't show him the first time, her first time through there. Right. Maybe she's, she's just putting on that show or a pantomime. Yeah, I visit right. him. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe somebody else was actually there. She did look actually worried. Now, I don't know if that was supposed to be like, all right, misdirection, or if she was seeing really the person behind the screen, so to speak. Or maybe she got threatened with being pruned herself and losing all the authority and memories or whatever she's built for herself, even though she'd gone along with whoever's pulling the strings. Right. And if it wasn't for the memory losses that we saw in this episode, which maybe is a misdirection, maybe not. It kind of blew my theory from last week that she was Kang, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. That would be weird. (laughs) Who knows if they're going to mess with us more. But I hope so. This was kind of interesting because Loki and Sylvia are kind of brought back together, sitting next to each other, as Ravona decides to take the two variants alone up in the elevator. That could be nothing but good. But Ravona is not out of the woods yet because B-15 is still out and about. Right. Sylvie asked what her Nexus event was because she, of course, asked Ravona if she remembered her. And Ravona being, I'm trying not to say a swear word right now. <laughs> the bee that she is. Uh, oh, my <laughs> gosh. 
just gave a smile. It's like, oh, I don't remember. I'm like, all right. Now, I know that they have those things on that re- rewinds their time, but I kind of wish that Loki could have grabbed it and Sylvie could have just punched her. Right. Because I feel <laughs> like that was necessary right there. Like, mm, I don't remember. It's like, ha, ha, ha. Deserved to get punched in the face. Oh, like, If anybody this episode <laughs> deserved it. Bad Ravona. And they end up in the timekeeper's lair, so to speak. <laughs> And I'm kind of wondering, because you had mentioned, like, the fog earlier, Dave, like, if that's supposed to kind of cloud people's memories, too, because of the other hunters and all that were up there. Like, oh, you only see what we want you to see kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah because in magic. that first time we get into their vault, yeah, really, all we see are red eyes. And this time in, there's not any fog anywhere. We see the three timekeepers perched in their chairs several steps higher than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The variants finally meet the timekeepers in all their resplendent and reverbery glory. Yeah, they did have quite a bit of reverb there. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, that was definitely a throwback to 60s robotics. (laughs) (laughs) They call the two of them cosmic disappointments and order them to be deleted. So Ravona's about to prune them, but is stopped by B-15, who throws them a sword before taking on the Minutemen. And this was a great fight scene because you got Sylvie taking on Ravona and Loki gets two Minutemen and B-15 gets the others. I love that B-15 did whatever and managed to like pop the locks off their collars um, yes collars yeah yeah it was like bam it's like all right now what yeah (laughs) (laughs) now it's gonna be a little bit more even isn't it sure is as ravona finally gets her hands dirty fighting sylvie one-on-one and after dispatching of the tva a timekeeper begs for his life before sylvie chops off his head by throwing (laughs) her sword at it yeah classic head roll yeah (laughs) down the steps why did the one seem like a walrus or something it just it was so weird (laughs) that must be the paul mccartney one right (laughs) don't make me laugh (laughs) it doesn't produce the intended bloodshed a that would have been gross (laughs) a decapitation normally does if it was monty python there'd be a fountain going straight up right oh my god (laughs) instead sparks fly and the other timekeepers seem to power down but they were chuckling before they powered down yes which was really odd so weird (laughs) what are you laughing at oh surprise (laughs) we're really not here yeah it turns out the trio were androids the entire time. The mystery of who created the TVA continues. <laughs> Many Loki viewers suspected the timekeepers were rude, but no one was entirely sure how. There were no timekeepers at all. Was it Kang and two friends dressed up, or was it all three? The timekeepers, different versions of Loki himself. Oh, God, that would be yeah, a, that would a, be a <laughs> twist. <laughs> oh, brother. I, at one point, I thought, well, maybe Ravona is a Loki, but no, no. No, yeah. Ravona's Ravona, yeah. <laughs> Episode 4 reveals that the TVA's three overlords are, in fact, androids. And this means Sam Wilson was right all along. In Falcon and Winter Soldier, Sam tells Bucky about the villainous big three of androids, aliens, and wizards, and how it's always one of them causing trouble. Bingo! Yep. <laughs> Bucky disagrees. But were the pair able to see Loki's latest misadventures, Sam would be forgiven for feeling a little smug as the timekeepers proved the big three hypothesis surprisingly accurate. And that's why he's Captain America, baby. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it still makes me wonder about the ancient one. Was she wrong? Right. Or is she just, oh, God. <laughs> Loki promises Sylvie they'll figure it out and grabs her, about to seemingly embrace her romantically. I'm like, yeah, go for it, dude. <laughs> yeah, get big kiss on her. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> She'd probably slap Yeah. <laughs> well, if she's really enchantress or she was adopted by a lady Loki, then it'll be okay. Right. Yeah, but at this point, they don't know this. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, anything. You're not a romantic lady. I'll be the I'm not. I, <laughs> I'm so not. <laughs> but Rovona comes in to prune him before he can say anything more. That was shocking, but not as shocking as Mobius getting. was like, where are we going? Right. <laughs> Another quick fight. Sylvie opted not to prune the TVA worker back, though, demanding she tell her everything. She could have given a little stick with the pointy end, too. Yeah. I thought she was going to at least stab her in the shoulder because she totally deserved that. Yep. Somewhere in Tahiti, Phil Coulson is enjoying a good long chuckle. Loki's death provides a close facsimile of how the God of Mischief bumped off S.H.I.E.L.D.'s friendliest employee. 
in 2012's The Avengers movie from behind with a big stick. <laughs> <laughs> Not only does this call back acknowledge one of Loki's most heinous crimes, however, it also helps him redeem himself, giving the trickster a taste of his own medicine. How's that feel? How true? I don't know everything with this. I mean, again, went down a rabbit hole. And I found something above the TVA and it makes me wonder if we're going to get that. I, I'm afraid to say anything now. <laughs> but do you guys know about He Who Remains? Oh, yeah. I did see that. So it makes me wonder if that's like the next level. Like that's who was laughing when the androids were laughing. Yeah, maybe. Like you thought you were so smart. And I really don't think at this point, honestly, and, and yes, I'm not a romantic, so I it could just be me <laughs> that Loki was gonna kiss Sylvie. I think he was gonna tell her we created some kind of crazy event that would break open whatever the TVA was doing. Mm. Like they were the keys. Right. And it's like, hmm. Which maybe this will lead into multiverse of madness, which we have way too long to get to. Yeah. Well, we did say they were swooning over each other. Yep. You like her. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, there's more. Now, everybody who is watching this, yes, we know Tom Hiddleston is an executive producer and Tom Hiddleston is Loki, but Loki was just pruned. So what does this mean? Because we have two more freaking episodes. Right. (laughs) Well, we got a post-credit scene and I know the internet went crazy. Oh, yeah. Like the first person who watched it, I think posted it up and it was just crazy cavalcade of don't forget to watch. Oh my gosh. And everybody uh-huh. trying not to spoil it. So I had to just stay off the internet. But. I did that to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> PCS. You kept it spoiler free. And yeah, yeah, like Sean, I stayed off the internet because I didn't want to know what was happening. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I hate it when you see something on Twitter and like, dude, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Although it looks like Loki died when being pruned, Loki awakens in a decimated New York City, which I did not catch that. I had to rewind and pause. And that's when I seen Stark Tower. Actually, my husband's seen Stark Tower. He's like, wait, yeah. that's New York. I'm like, is that the Chrysler building? Like, I didn't know. He's like, no, look, this is Stark Tower. I'm like, oh, Avenger Tower. Okay. Apparently, this could have been from the successful 2012 invasion, but yeah, I don't know. So the right-hand side, we see the landscape. Like I said, you see the Avengers Tower. And Loki asks if he's dead, and a voice responds. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. Why are you talking? Why am I talking to myself? But the voice says, you will be unless you come with us. And standing above him, we get to see some Loki variants. A child Loki, which makes me wonder if that is just, quote, kid Loki or king Loki, because the headband was a little different. He was holding a crocodile. Which had the Loki horns, <laughs> which everybody's hoping this means that we'll see Throg, which is Thor, who's turned into a frog at one point. <laughs> Who knows? That's just weird. We see old man Loki in a, what's the word I'm looking for? The classic costume right. that everybody has seen. The horrible classic costume. Yes. <laughs> and then we see another one. Who reminded me kind of Thor because he had a hammer. Right. But he also reminded me of the one leader from Wakanda. But Steve, you said he was called Boastful Loki. Right. Yep. So again, it's like, who are you? What's going on? Right. But more important, the setting of Loki's four new friends slash hymns. (laughs) (laughs) They all actually have roots in Marvel, which... It even goes beyond this because, again, rabbit hole. There are so many versions of Loki, it's insane. But the most prominent, Richard E. Grant, plays an older Loki whose cartoonish costumes did ringer for the first outfit from 1962. It's bright, blocky components and exaggerated horns. Kid Loki, who hails from the 2011 comic art, is the revived god of mischief into a much younger form. Croco Loki. Croco Loki. I'm going to love saying that. And Boastful Loki, the chap with the hammer, according to the German credits, which is killing me that we're not getting it in all of the credits. Right. Yeah. They keep sticking them in the foreign language credits. Are less obviously attached to the source material, but they do seem to carry some version of themselves, either the horns or uh, Boastful Loki was carrying what looks like Milnir. Oh, this might be major foreshadowing, but who knows? I still want to see what turned out to be CGI. Tour de France, Loki. Right. (laughs) That was actually used from a picture on the set of, I think it was Thor Ragnarok. Somebody took a picture of Hiddleston, like, outside waving, and that's what they used, and they just CGI'd the costume on. Right. (laughs) 
I love that. There's a comic book shop where I go in the, in the area called Wonderland Comics. And Tom, who works there, thinks where the Lokis were sent was the timeline that uh, Kang escaped from and now wants to stay in ours because he can't be sent there because everything went wrong. Interesting. That's one theory. Interesting. Yeah. There's so many Lokis. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder if we're going to see more. And I mean, I don't know, was the whole frog Thor? I mean, was Croco Loki there? And is that crocodile going to talk? I mean, these are things I right, want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see that. <laughs> like I said, I had Loki to, talk. <laughs> I had to rewind because I'm like, wait, like it just, it went so fast. Right. And then I didn't even think the crocodile was real until it moved. Then the second time, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Okay. I hope it talks. Yeah, I do too. I oh want to hear God, that, what it sounds like. <laughs> By the way, you guys, when uh, we give our sign-offs, you'll have to be a little patient with me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else on this episode we want to touch on? I recommend fully going down the rabbit hole online to find all the extras. I'm oh, just yeah. going to throw that out there. <laughs> Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we have some more feedback from Jazz, so let's hear what she thought about episode four. Hello, this is Jazz, and I'm giving my review of Loki season one, episode five. I'm actually rather enjoying the series quite a lot. I thought the resolution of Loki and Sylvie not being blown up worked out well because the time vault administrators or authority had to come by and save them. I'm not sure why they consider them the ultimate of importance since they always threaten them with death if they don't do what they say. They do have a tendency to escape rather nicely. I think that Loki has become rather fond of Sylvie and vice versa, sort of like friends that only occasionally stab each other in the back. And she did admit in this episode that she was a female version of Loki, but did not know exactly what she supposedly did that was so wrong that would warrant her to be plucked out of the timeline and have her world knocked off. And I'm assuming not be able to go back to it, but I'm not sure. So I would think if all of the time bureau, I guess, are all variants and had their previous worlds eradicated and then stuck in a DMV type world, I wouldn't like that either. So I could totally see the guard and the Morpheus person deciding, okay, well, you do have something that is merit here and, and help them out. They both got knocked off rather quickly, though. I would have thought a guard would at least had more hand-to-hand -hand skills, but she gave up her sword and then I guess melee wasn't her forte because she was knocked off or at least cut down, I guess. Not eradicated, just no longer standing up. So by the very end, they found out that they were robots. Found it odd that once one guy his head got lopped off. The other two thought it was hysterically funny before they decided to not work either. It made me think about Doom bots and perhaps Doom would have the ego that would say he could control space and time. I think they ought to have more Doctor Who jokes since it deals with space and time relative in space. I like the humor in the show. I think it zigs and zags and keeps me guessing so that's good. I'm not sure where they're gonna go next with that. I thought it was good that Sylvie was hopefully going to make the boss lady harmed to get all the information about why everybody's doing this or maybe it was the boss lady's idea in the entire time and she just put the robots up there for a figurehead to be the ooh scary do your work or you get sent to the principal's office kind of thing so i hope you waited until the end of the credits because spoiler alert it sure changes the ending once loki gets knocked off and then he gets resurrected or not resurrected but waking up by three different versions of himself four if you count the kimono lizard with the helmet so uh, hopefully you saw that part if not surprise you might want to go check it out but i enjoyed it thought it was good and hope you all are well thanks bye well thank you jazz as always yeah i'm glad she re rediscovered us yes yay <laughs> thanks jazz and i'm just thinking if it was a kimono dragon that thing would be huge yeah. <laughs> aren't they poisonous like i don't even know yep that, well i mean i guess that kind of fits with loki being poisonous very true, actually huh? he probably would have been more of a poisonous snake then but i'm sure the insurance was not having any poisonous snakes on set <laughs> right <laughs> i like the way she called them friends who only occasionally stab each other in the back that was good right. <laughs> yes and i'm sure sean and i wouldn't mind having a few doctor who references thrown in there as well <laughs> i love when they cross-reference stuff like that even yeah. just 
accidentally. It works out great. And yeah, I said earlier that I thought maybe the two that laughed when <laughs> yeah. Leeds one head was rolling down the stairs were because they knew that they weren't there and these were actually robots or androids or whatever you want to call them. So we'll see. I really didn't. At one point in time, I did think that Renslayer was the mastermind of all this, but unless her memory lapses are supposed to be a diversion, I kind of moved away from that. So right now, I have no clue who the puppet master is right now. <laughs> well, if it is Kang, maybe Kang just speaks as all three. You thought it was pretty funny that uh, it was exposed like that and laughed. Right. That I can see. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm really starting to think it's he who remains, and he was just voicing all of them and right. then laughed. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, they were very <laughs> robotic voices, that's for sure. Sounded like the robot from the 60s version of Lost in Space. <laughs> oh, we also discussed when I was sitting down at Wonderland Comics that maybe the reason why the ancient one says, you know, you have to keep the timeline because even she's not knowledgeable of a another timeline or other universes i should say she's only knows about the timeline in her universe right i guess yeah okay <laughs> well, <laughs> we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season was we only have two more left but go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link where you will find several ways to contact us via email or through social media Please review and rate us on iTunes and the other platform you use for our podcast. With good ratings and reviews, it helps other fans of the show find us, as there are plenty of other Marvel podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and I hope you are enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. And again, don't forget to check out all of our contact info at www.fangirlzone.com. You'll find us on Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook and everywhere. And uh, we're so excited. You can also email us directly. We have so many different emails. I'm like, I'm forgetting which one we have for this one. This one is contact us at fangirlzone.com. But we have so many. So you can email us so many ways. Don't forget to do that. And for this episode of the Marvelous Post Split Podcast. I'm Steve. I've lost track of the number of times I've been killed. So go ahead. Do your worst. I'm Sean fangirl Maybe I will go to San Diego. <laughs> and this is Mr. Fist Dave. See you later, alligator. 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 <laughs> Get it? There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone.